You're listening to the 107th episode of the Biz Women Rock podcast. Watch out. What's going on? This is Katie Kermitzos. I'm your host of Biz Women Rock. This is the place where you will hear really inspirational and really honest stories from business women who have great journeys to share so that your business can truly be touched by it. I've got a great story to share with you today, but before we begin, it is time for our Biz Women Wednesday series. Today, we're shining the light on Kat Johnson. And she has a company called Savvy Solutions, which really focuses on actually managing and doing all of the social media actions that you need for your business. It's amazing. Kat, great job. Really proud of you. If you would like to find out more about Kat and about how you can be featured on Biz Women Wednesday, just go to bizwomenrock.com. Holy cow, prepare to have your mind blown today because my guest is Lori Steele. And she created a company called Everyone Counts. And I want you to imagine the last time you went out and voted, whether it was for a presidential election or your local elections, and how you probably had to, you know, go down to your local place and, you know, go cast your vote and how it was done and get your little sticker and then go. But it's kind of disruptive to your day, you know, especially if you have lived in Florida like I have. There's a lot of history behind why that hasn't been so great in the past and so accurate. And what Everyone Counts does is she has created a very highly technological way to be able to vote. And so um, it's it's so wonderful in an era where we have on-demand content like podcasts and ways where we interact with technology so intimately and on such high, um, you know, sort of security levels. For example, the fact that you can access your bank online, the fact that you can access a lot of like private information online. This is such a great way of integrating technology so that voting can now be part of like your lifestyle. It doesn't need to interrupt it. And so the implications of that are so great in the fact that it makes it a lot easier for more and more people to really vote. Anyway, the concept is incredible. She is a total genius who I totally fell in love with. And you're just going to learn so much from how she approaches business and why she's so passionate about this and what she's really doing to really have an impact on the world. It's just it's just tremendous and such a great opportunity to really pick her brain. So I'm really looking forward to you listening to this one. So let's get into it. Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, I am so, so thrilled that that you are here today because um, the company that you have built is completely revolutionizing the way that elections are done. Um, and I'm going to let you really get into exactly how you're doing that. But it's so fascinating. And as I was doing my research, it just made me so happy because there was finally this place where we're really new age technology and, um, and you know, really great um, you know, potential to really impact our lives is really meeting together. So I'm really excited about this. Um, can you give us a little bit of a background into kind of how you started the company? 
Sure. Um, first, Katie, thank you for saying all those kind things. It's usually me saying them. <laughs> so, so I absolutely love that I'm hearing you say the things that I've been working so hard to achieve for so long and that a phenomenal team of a lot of people have been working so hard to achieve for so long. So um, in my past life, I was an investment manager and I specialized in uh, analyzing uh, new technologies that would be really game-changing in the world and in industries. Um and the management teams that could execute and make those changes come to reality. So I really, really loved it. As you can imagine, it was pretty exciting, and I thought I would do it forever. But I was um, asked to speak at a United Nations conference in 2003, and it happened to be um, the week that Arnold Schwarzenegger was elected to the governor's office in California in a statewide recall election. So, as you can imagine, a lot of people in Europe were sort of in shock because yeah, no Arnold Schwarzenegger was now governor of California, which, <laughs> you know, depends on whether you like Arnold Schwarzenegger or not, whether it turned out okay, but, but at the time, it was just shocking. And so, the whole conference, which was being held in Switzerland, was talking about it. And I was, so everyone was talking about elections, and I was thinking, instead of who was elected, I was thinking, because of the 2000 debacle, I was thinking of how they were elected. And because this conference is such a significant event in the world, um, you know, the greatest minds in technology were there and all of the governments that the UN helps fund for doing things like elections. And so I kept talking to these people and saying, wow, you know, we're talking about elections. Think about the processes for elections. Think, Think about the technologies being used. It's a lot like Mr. Online Commerce or Miss Online uh, Finance. It's a lot like what you do. It's it's authentication, it's security, it's data transfer, uh, it's tabulation. So maybe you should think about voting because it's really important. And unfortunately, I couldn't get anybody to listen. <laughs> um, and I'm one of those people who sort of thinks if you know about a problem and you ignore it, you're part of the problem. And the problem was really, really clear to me that great technologies had now been proven throughout the world in many, many industries and probably the world's most important business process was being neglected. Now, at that time, do a quick explanation, because this is probably still true of most areas, but do a quick explanation as to what was the voting process like then? Wow. So that's really interesting because of what's happened since then. So at the time in the United States, um, we were using punch card voting machines primarily or voting. So, so you'd go into a voting booth and you would poke a hole in a piece of paper. Um, and you may recall hanging chads, um, and butterfly ballots where they're, they're, they're designed and printed and sent to a printer. And then you have pieces of paper that you mark or that you poke. Um, and then they go through, um, you know, a 70 year old, tabulation machine. So that seemed kind of absurd to me. Right. And what's really interesting now, though, uh, now up until Everyone Counts came along, is because of the 2000 election, that technology transformed the United States, theoretically. The United States put $3.9 billion into new voting systems because of the 2000 debacle. However, rather than look at modern technologies like Everyone Counts has, they went straight to what was 
really easy for them to adopt because it was sitting in front of them, and that was 50-year-old optical scan, you know, where like when you take a test and you fill in the bubble. Right. So that was a replacement for poking a, a hole in a piece of paper, if you can imagine. But so were touchscreen voting machines um, where you touch the um, front of a glass and it selects a candidate for you. And while that seems like a good idea, it was truly 30 to 50-year-old technology and mediocre at the time, so it didn't work so well either. And all those systems are now reaching their end of life, and they were mediocre to start with. So what did you kind of find out in that research of here's kind of what exists and here's a technology that I know exists outside of this that makes it possible for something new? What were you finding at the time that you could create? And then describe what you did, the technology that you did create. So we found that there were very few vendors in the space and they were using 30, 50 to 70 year old technologies that have always been used in the industry uh, or have been used for that long. And they were giving um, election officials one choice. Here's the product we built, use it. And in no other industry was that the case. What I was looking for is how to streamline administrative processes, use technologies that improve security, improve auditability, improve accessibility. And those technologies um, are now prevalent throughout the world in industry, but they're also, as of the last several years, prevalent in everyday life. So if you think about using an iPad or an Android device or your mobile device, whichever operating system you use, the idea of a person interacting with information um, real time in a secure way is everywhere. Right. And in voting, it hadn't been. So, you know, you created a software as a service program for that. Can you talk a little bit about what SAAS is for those of us who may not know exactly what that is <laughs> um, and how you actually developed it? And I want you to explain this because, you know, there are plenty of women out there who have they see a problem and they know that technology is a solution, but it seems like a giant mountain to actually create the technology to, to service that. So can you talk a little bit about that spot? Yeah. So first, it is a giant mountain. Um, <laughs> Let's just be straight and here. So they're right. <laughs> so that's right. It's not easy. Um, but one of the things that everyone counts decided to do, because we're talking about elections, and elections require um, – Elections are voting. You know, I guess they don't call the Academy Awards elections, but it's voting. And so whether it's public sector or private sector, there is a huge, huge requirement for trust. And so there have been companies before everyone counts who thought they should create new technologies to make voting better. And they all spent tens of millions of dollars and went out of business because people don't trust new things in voting. So what, what we decided to do, what Everyone Counts does, is instead bring components of technologies that are already proven in other industries to elections. So we didn't invent software as a service or SaaS. It's both a technology and a model that we simply deploy. And the same thing with RSA encryption of our ballots. We didn't invent RSA encryption, but it's a standard that people are very comfortable with. It's military-grade encryption. So we brought together all of these technologies, rather than inventing new technologies, to deliver them to 
an industry and to people that didn't have access before. And what did it really take for you to find, uh, unless you are the techie behind the scenes here, but uh, (laughs) I'm kind of making that assumption, no, because it's very rarely the case, but what did it take for you to truly find the people in the team that could build this? So that's really, really, really important. Team is about the most important thing you can get um, or that you need when you're building a business. And so I knew from my days as an investment manager and watching the companies that owning the companies that did and didn't succeed, um, I knew that if you just throw technology at a problem, you won't solve the problem because you have to understand the intricacies of the problem in order to solve it. And every business is trying to solve some problem, right? So right. Uh, so we wanted to solve the problem of making voting secure and accessible and more cost-effective and all these things. So what we did is bring together quite literally a team of internationally respected election administration experts and technology experts. And we brought them together in rooms with election officials, with voters, with disability groups, with security advocates. I mean, so everybody that would have something to say about what should be happening or what they need to be happening or what they'd like to be happening. So that when we developed our systems, we actually were developing them to the end of solving problems in election administration and voting. Wow. That is very, very smart. <laughs> so can you do a, just a brief description of exactly what Everyone Counts is and how people use it? Sure. So so Everyone Counts um, is an end-to-end platform for election administration and voting systems that range everywhere from voter registration to election administration to ballot building to ballot delivery, to voting, to tabulation, to auditing, to election night reporting. So any module within elections that you, as either a membership organization or a government, need to deliver, um, we can deliver for you. And we've built it in a modular way so that if you have a registration you like but you don't have a voting system you like, then you don't have to replace everything. You can just fit our modules into your legacy systems until your legacy systems reach end of life or until we prove that we're so much better that you want everything to go away <laughs> except our systems. Well, and so oh, go ahead, Sarah. And, and the practicalities of this are literally like, yes, you can think of like your – any like local – um, you know, election or association election or anything like that. That's obvious. But when it comes to sort of bigger elections, what that means is you're talking about people being able to have access at their home on their iPad to cast their vote for something instead of having to go into the place and, you know, take off work to go get their sticker. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, That's you're, exactly right. you're, you're really shifting the paradigm, which has huge impact over the amount of people who will vote. Yep. That's exactly right. And and it's really fascinating because, you know, depending on where you are in the world or the country, um, um, you're on the East Coast, and so there's very, very little vote by mail on the East Coast. West Coast, Washington State and Oregon are both 100% vote by mail, and Colorado is about 85%, and California is about 65%. So in the different countries are different. So there's, there's already... Um, a movement in various places toward letting people vote not in a polling station. But sadly, the way, the only way that they, until everyone counts, you know, the only way that they could vote not in a polling station would be to get a piece of mail and open it and mark it with a pencil and then put it back in the mail 
where, as you can imagine, there's next to zero security. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, you're right. We're, we're, we're allowing people now to use our same platform, whether, whether it's in a polling station or whether it's in a voting center or whether it's in Iraq from the front lines or from the airport or from their university, you can get on any device a tablet, a PC, an iPad, uh, a mobile device, and you can bring up your ballot and securely vote immediately and get your ballot in on time. Lori, what is the business model behind this? How are you guys actually generating revenue? Um, So that's part of the SaaS um, question you asked. So software as a service is not just a technical delivery of a solution. It's also a pricing model. So what we say is, as long as you want to work with us, we will deliver you a state, we will deliver to you a state-of-the-art voting system, for example, or registration system. So it's sort of on demand. Anytime you need to use your voting system, you log in and there's your voting system, whether you're the administrator or the voter. And so our model is an annual license fee. And why that's terrific is because it gives the customer quite literally a perpetually state-of-the-art system that is always there and never reaches end of life like voting machines do. And it also does it because we're building the same model for all customers at a significantly reduced price. I would imagine that most of like your clients are really government entities, is it right? Um, the election industry is about split. It's a $31 billion industry and that's about $16 billion in governments and about 16 in private sector elections. And where have you guys made most inroads into the business? Meaning, have you been able to get more kind of government clients or like private clients? Um, Well, we focused our external sales efforts on government because I started with a mission of trying to make democracy better. Um, But because our solutions are quite literally the best in the industry, we've been getting customers from both public and private sector. So when someone really, really cares about getting their elections right or their voting right, like the Oscars or the Emmys, um, then they come to everyone counts. Uh, Same for government. And how we made our biggest inroads initially was doing online voting for people far, far away in other countries. So Australia, England, Canada, uh, and in the U.S., where we made our biggest progress first, which was by design, was by uh, enfranchising the most severely disenfranchised voters, which are voters overseas. So states and cities, and states, cities, counties, countries would hire us to deliver secure ballots electronically to their military and overseas voters during a regular government election. So with the government entities that you have dealt with, you know, government versus private, like, you know, (laughs) public entities are not well known for moving fast on things, you know, (laughs) nor are they well known for really getting the state of the art technology and really kind of thinking ahead for things. So what what major um, challenges did you have in really acquiring the government entities as, as clients of yours? Well, um, the first thing that we did that was really important, uh, because you're absolutely right, um, two things were against us. One, new technologies and or new processes aren't the first thing governments latch on to. And second, the government, when we founded the company in the United States in 2004, um, the government had just begun to spend $3 billion on antiquated voting systems. So it was not exactly the right time for us to be saying, look what we've got, when they're like, well, sorry, we just wrote a check, big check. <laughs> um, so 
we started thinking how what, what's going to be the easiest inroad, and there were two things. One, we decided instead of talking to them about online voting, which was the predecessor to software as a service based voting, um, we said, how about if instead of just uh, how, about if, how about if instead of full online voting, which scared people at the time, instead we could do electronic ballot delivery, electronic marking, which prevents huge amount of errors where ballots get thrown away because they're marked wrong, and then they can print the voters can print the ballot and have it mailed back. So seems pretty basic, but it made a huge difference because it didn't feel like as big of a change. It just felt like a process streamlined. So we thought about what processes do they need to streamline and which voters need that the most so that the governments will be willing to pay for that. And we decided it was military and overseas voters because at the time, 70% of those, 7-0, that tried to vote from abroad did not have their ballots counted. What? Are you serious? Yeah. It was that high? <laughs> 70, which is absurd. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, most places would say it's criminal, and yet it was happening in the United States, and it still happens throughout the world because mail isn't sufficient wow. for international delivery in a limited period of time. Man, Lori, in this time of you building your business, um, you know, you now have about 50 people who work on your team. You have had to evolve as a businesswoman and as a leader in order to really steer this company. So what would you say is has been like maybe just one? I know there are many, but maybe one of the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout this journey as far as how to be a leader of a company like this. Oh, you're so right. So, so many lessons. <laughs> um, and some of them have been extremely painful. But um, Most of them are. The, all the good lessons yeah. are the painful ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's true, isn't it? It's true, yes. So um, I think one of the things that was challenging for me, and I, I learned it the long, hard way, is when you're building a business, it's really about execution. It's really about getting the job done. It can't just be about being nice. <laughs> um, and so keeping people around who try hard but don't deliver um, is a really bad idea. <laughs> and so so the, the, the hire slow and fire fast rule is really, really important. And the other side of that story is something I read once that, that basically said, if you're not letting someone go because you don't want to hurt them, you're making a huge mistake for both of you because the temporary pain of letting someone go would allow them to go do something that they're better at and everyone wants to succeed. Yeah. So the, trying to avoid the hurt actually results in serious damage to both the company and the individual who's not getting the job done. So I would imagine that you've had to spend a lot of time um, and kind of proactive energy into building a culture for your team um, in order, not only in order to produce, you know, kind of the forward movement that you guys want to produce, but really in order to create an environment where people are actually happy to be there and happy to work there. So what, <laughs> yeah. what sort of keys have you implemented in your business that have really molded your culture? You know, I think um, part of what I was just talking about is an important thing because if, if building a culture of excellence is critical, because if you want to hire the smartest people in the industry, which we do, and by industry, I mean technology and election administration, not just elections, because um, 
we aren't just, I mean, we're an elections company for sure, but, you know, I want to compete with, with Google and Facebook for the best engineers in the world. So I don't think of us as competing with the other voting machine companies. I think of us as competing with the best minds in technology. So you have to build a culture of excellence and you have to then demand excellence and accountability so that the smart people don't leave because they see mediocrity around them. Ooh, I like that. How do you, uh, how do you ensure that? <laughs> I mean, that's, it's really, really hard. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's and because you know, it's one of my one of my advisors once said everybody can't be an A player, um, but I don't believe that. I think they can be an A player in their space because if you have a sales administration person, you need that person to be the best possible sales administration person. And that doesn't mean she needs to be a CEO. And that's not what excellence means. Excellence means at what they do. So I believe you really can have A people in every facet of your company, um, but you have to motivate them well. Um, And fortunately for us, we have this huge social mission that is combined with the ability, if we make this work, to be a billion-dollar company. So you can have a passion for what you're doing. You can feel good about what you're doing. And if we do this right, we're the industry leader, and you make a lot of money. <laughs> yep. Lori, what what kind of habits do you have that allow you to really manage the different roles that you have in your life? You know, the you're not only, you know, this top-level CEO and founder of a business. I mean, you have a lot of other roles and a, a lot of different kind of areas of your life that you participate in. So what do you do on a daily basis to make sure that you're really managing those roles? Um, I, I'm not doing it nearly as well as I'd like to be doing it, I'll <laughs> tell you. Um, and, and for that, I have to give credit to people that aren't me. Um, and one of them is my assistant, Stephanie, who makes my life work <laughs> and keeps me where I need to be when I need to be there. Um, and my husband, who is someone who who used to work for me and now has his own company, but he's really big on um, put your own mask on first so you can help the people around you. So he's constantly reminding me to take care of myself and that that's the only way I can do all the things I have to do. So Good um, man. Very, yeah, very good <laughs> he's man. He's a great guy. So the only way- he is a great guy, and so he's got me going to the gym because that makes me feel better, and not because he says you need to work out, because he said, what's going to make you feel good today? I love that. Very good. It's good. Yeah, and so Stephanie and Aaron really help me do the things I need to do in order to be the best I can be here, and I'm always trying to be better. Hmm. Lori, what's your big vision for this company? Oh, that one is a simple one. So I really think it's critical that everyone counts become the industry leader in voting and election administration, not just revenue-wise, although it's critical that we become the leader in revenue, but also in quality. I think we already are the leader in quality, and while that's really, really important, and it's been my number one goal until now, we quality and service, if we don't become the industry leader, which means we become a billion-dollar company, then we don't change the industry. We grow as a company, we change things for our customers, but our goal is to really to change the standard of voting throughout the world so places like Iran can't pretend they're having a legitimate election when they're not. So billion-dollar revenue leader in the elections industry and make democracy work better. I love it. All right, Lori, (laughs) well, we are going to close out this section with um, our favorite five. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Okay, what is your favorite book? So that changes as often <laughs> as I read a book almost. I love 
team of rivals without Lincoln and bringing together the team that, that all hated each other from the beginning. But, but recently, the hard thing about the hard things was, was an extraordinary read for me by Ben Horowitz. Um, what about your favorite time saver? Uh, my favorite time saver I mentioned earlier, that's Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps me she keeps me on track. Without her, I wouldn't have it. <laughs> All right. Huge shout out to Stephanie. Way to go, girl. Um, what is your favorite secret indulgence? Oh, 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 oh. My favorite secret indulgence. Um, oh, I hate to say this, but it might be um, House of Cards. <laughs> what is it? House of, oh, House of Cards? Yeah. Nice. We officially that have makes you on me record sound saying evil. That. <laughs> <laughs> that might make me evil, but it's <laughs> but it's a delight. <laughs> There's so many people who would not admit that and are now nodding their heads going, God, thank God. I love that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, how about your favorite vacation spot? I'm assuming somewhere in here uh, you actually take vacations. <laughs> Well, that's one of the things I'm not doing so well. I've been married three years and I don't have a honeymoon yet. Oh. Or I haven't had a honeymoon yet. Okay, but, so um, let's go to where would you have your honeymoon? Oh, there you go. So I would love to go to Thailand and I'd love to go to Africa. Ooh, nice. What part yes. of Africa? I mean, well, a combination, which is why I say the continent and not a country. So it would be um, a safari and maybe sailing to the Seychelles Islands. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> but currently, I like Italy an awful lot. <laughs> All right. And my last question is, what has been, I, I know this doesn't automatically follow under the faves, but like what's been one of the best things that you've done for yourself as for like personal growth as a business leader? Hmm. Wow. That's a really, really good question. Um after not doing it for a very, very long time, I started recently, in the last year or two, to take advantage of the genius advisors I had around me. Um, in the beginning, I would just be too busy and I wouldn't, I would just execute and I would put everything on my own shoulders. But I've got this extraordinary team of advisors that I now call regularly because they've been through some of the things I've been through. Before I thought, oh, it's elections and no one understands it but me. And, and maybe that was true for a while, maybe not. But I now take full advantage of the genius around me uh, so I don't have to make the same mistakes that a lot of people have already made. And that's been life-changing. Well, Lori, I really want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This was an incredible conversation, very enlightening, and huge congratulations to you. I have uh, You have like the, the wind at your sail. I mean, you're doing such great things and really making a tremendous impact, not only on the industry and on your business, but on the way that people are interacting and able to really have influence in their government. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing. Katie, thank you very much. It was an absolute delight. bizwomenrock.com forward slash 107 is where you'll find all the show notes for this conversation, including the listing of, of course, her favorite five things. So interesting about that. I can't believe that she hasn't taken a honeymoon yet. Although I have to say that I didn't officially take a honeymoon either. Like our entire wedding was like a, um, you know, like a, a broad wedding. So I kind of considered that like the honeymoon. So <laughs> no worries, Lori. Anyway, um, Really enjoyed that conversation. Wow, is that woman super business savvy. And I am just so pumped up by the passion that she has for completely shifting the entire industry. I just love that. And I'm a thousand percent behind her. I hope you got something great from this conversation and are putting it into practice. Remember, that's the only way that things move forward. 
put it into action. Have a great one and I'll see you on the next episode.